the 241st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win 54 to 53. North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good. Fred Brown looking. Oh, wait a worthy. Worthy five. The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won. 72 and how about them Tar Heels they are the national champion pump make for three too strong on the shot that's it the Tar Heels are the national daggum champion love guarded by Keels gets a screen pulls up for three got it Caleb from straight away here are your hosts Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys tonight. A lot of news coming out of Chapel Hill as a major rotation player announced his decision to return for 2023-2024. And a reserve that we hope has a bigger role next year did as well we'll tell you who those guys are break down the impacts of their return and so much more but we start every day or we start this edition of the pod as we always do with our pod thought of the day and we go to a guy who i don't even know who he is but i like the quote and so i went with it and the the, the quote is herbert rock and uh i would imagine he is some great philosopher, English teacher, something a lot more accomplished than just a some uh, a simple podcast host. But his quote is, the trouble with opportunity is that it always comes disguised as hard work. And, you know, this, this last season was full of a lot of opportunities. It filled with a lot of chances for Carolina to do – a lot of great things um, and, and the opportunity to compete for ACC and national championships, something they they didn't do. And I think you could point to a lack of hard work as a, as a big reason why from top to bottom. I think it was with the coaching staff, uh, with the players in practice, and then, of course, of course, on the court. Um and not that to say that this year Carolina didn't play hard or whatever, but it just it, it seemed at every point in the game or at every point in a lot of games when when the going got tough and they had to do the little things they had to do to win, they simply weren't capable of doing those things. And that was a difference between winning and losing. You know, this this team lost this team lost twelve game or thirteen games this year, and only one of them was by double digit points. So that's how close they were. 
Like, you know, the, you get a few other bounces, this team makes the NCAA tournament and could still be playing, you know, this weekend had, had they found themselves into the tournament. But, but that didn't happen. And now with that, they've now got an opportunity next year to make amends for all the things that went wrong. But to do that, they're going to have to work and work very hard at doing so. The best thing about it is starting to see a path to this team returning to the tournament. It's a lot more clear today than it was 48, you know, 72 hours ago. And that's because Carolina did get the confirmation of what we expected to happen all along. But R.J. Davis did announce via Twitter he is going to be back for his 2023-2024 season, which will also count as his senior season. And, you know, I, I I think when the season ended, we expected him and Armando Baycott back, and they are now both officially back with the program Armando announced earlier this week. But after those two guys kind of went their separate ways over spring break, I I think it was safe to say we didn't know. Had they come back and decided to move on, I don't think we would have been overly surprised. And I don't think that it would have been really hard to to be upset with that decision, given for Armando how much he's given this program over four years. And for RJ, just the crap he's dealt with kind of off the court with rumors and stuff like that. But both these guys are back. And both of these guys are extremely important. I mean, I sent a tweet out to him basically telling him, I'm glad you decided to come back because my heart wasn't ready to watch this team without you. And that's that's a very accurate statement. He has reached, for my mind, Marcus Page, Joel Berry levels where I'm not ready to watch this team, this program without him. I love him that much as a player. He's a great kid off the court. And right now he's just very important to Hubert Davis turning turning this thing around because he's going to need those two guys to be excellent leaders, excellent uh, contributors uh, on the court. And, and, you know, for the first time really all offseason long with the decision of Armando Baycott and now R.J. Davis, we can smile at Tar Heel fans and have a little bit and get a little bit more sleep at night knowing things are going to be okay with that program in Chapel Hill. Yeah, this might be the first time that you actually sleep in about eh, three or four months, something like that. Um it's it's definitely the most comfortable that we have felt probably since the midseason winning streak in terms of just the o- the overall feel of the team, the direction of the program. Um, and I mean, look, there are some people that that don't feel the same way, and and I think it's something that you know there's there's maybe some legitimacy to some of the thoughts of is you know. Aren't you just wanting to move on from last year? But I think the thing is, is that, look, for Hubert Davis, he 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 needs to make the NCAA tournament next year. At this point, I think we are – we have pretty much said, not, not on here, but just talking to each other, that it is a non-negotiable – negotiable – 
aspect for next season that, look, you make the tournament. If you don't, you're probably gone. So for him, it was important for him to get at least one of the two guys back, Baycott or Davis. Now he gets both back. And, and that was kind of, I think, the ideal situation in a lot of people's minds. A lot of people felt like if you can get those two guys back in the fold, a guy in Armando Baycott who, look, definitely took a little bit of a step back this year. But part of that was because of the injuries that he fought through, um, the fact that, you know, there were times this year more than any year that he had been on campus where when he was on the floor – Teams were able to just focus on him, doubling him in the paint. Um, you know, the pack line defense uh, against Virginia in the two losses, um, you know, even though he only played a couple of minutes in the first one. But really that second one just did everything that they needed to do to take him out of the game. And really teams were focused on forcing other guys to beat them. Uh, so I, I, I think getting him back is huge because it gives you that veteran presence inside. And now you've got the veteran presence on the perimeter in R.J. Davis. And I think that for for him, this is a chance to take that, you know, uh, once again, take that next step and and follow that same trajectory of those guys that you talked about. You know, fourth-year point guards in Chapel Hill have been wildly successful. Um, you know, you look at Marcus Page and, and you know, how much, you know, how well he played his senior year. You look at Joel Berry, how well he played his senior year. And I think, I, I think Berry is probably the best comparison. And we've been doing that since his freshman year. We thought that the way that this guy played – the way that he attacks the basket, the way that, you know, he 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 plays with the same mentality night in and night out. He's always going to play hard. We felt like that he was he fit the mold of what Joel Berry was. And now I thought this year you really started to see what we saw with Joel Berry in his final two years in Chapel Hill. And that was the ability to knock down tough shots. And, I, you know, we saw for Joel Berry, it was he didn't, you know, on that 2017 team, yeah, he won a national championship, um, you know, and that was really where he, he had to take over after Marcus Page left. And he stepped his game up to another level. I thought this year – you know, R.J. Davis stepped his game up to another level. He just didn't get the support around him that Joel Berry did back in that 2017 season. Now it's about, for R.J. Davis, finishing his career a little bit different than how Joel Berry did. Um, but, you know, you still, you look at those numbers, that would probably be a really good leap for uh, R.J. Davis is he, if he is able to get to uh, uh, those similar numbers to uh, what, Joel Berry had in his senior season back in 2018. And I just think, you know, you talked about the struggles that this team had late in games, and I think you're right. But, again, you, you look at some of the shots that R.J. hit down the stretch of the season. 
it, th- this was a guy that hit tough shot after tough shot for this team. If he doesn't get hurt in that game against Syracuse, I really think that this is a team that probably makes the tournament because they probably win one or two of those games uh, that, you know, they, they lost after he ended up getting banged up and he went through a little bit of a shooting wall. So if he can build off of what he did this past season, I find it hard to believe that Carolina will not be a tournament team, especially with Armando Baycott returning alongside of him and probably a a little bit of, you know, much-needed fresh blood around him at the other three spots in terms of who will start. You know, this was a guy that was third on the team in scoring, was, uh, you know, third team all ACC, and that was well, that was really just because of the injuries. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for him, but when you looked at his numbers pre-injury, post-injury, the injuries were a big reason why he was inefficient at times. This is, this is the heartbeat of, of this team right now. That's not my words. That's that's what Huber Davis says. And so I think as as important as Armando Baycott was just to the leadership and the and the stability of this team for next year, if Armando comes back and RJ leaves, I'm not I'm not so sure Carolina's a tournament team. I don't think you could enter the season with you know a, a definite hope or expectation that they return to the NCAA tournament. But now that you've got RJ back in the fold with him, I do think that pathway is is a lot more clear. I want to read a quote that uh, was in Adam Lucas's article on Go Heels, breaking down his his decision to co- to come back to Chapel Hill, and it is quote: "Change is not always a bad thing. It builds character. I'm a winner." And I look forward to playing with a team that is willing to do whatever it takes to gel and win together. Most importantly, we're going to bring Carolina basketball back. I'm all in. I love this school, and I love to compete. End quote. I saw that 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 quote all over Twitter. The you know roughly hour hour and a half after he announced his decision to return. For next season. And I don't think what he said in there was said on accident. I look forward to playing with a team that is willing to do whatever it takes to gel and win together. He just confirmed what we all thought and believed. There was a disconnect with him and his backcourt mate, Caleb Love, who, as, as of this moment, we do do expect him to announce his departure from Carolina. Nothing is is finalized. He hasn't announced it, but all the, all, all the all things point towards him no longer being a part of Carolina basketball. And then that last part, man. Most importantly, we're going to bring Carolina basketball back. I love this school and I love to compete. Just give me the freaking November. Roll the ball out and let's and let's go, let's go make what went so wrong this year so much right and then tenfold next year. Because the thing about this kid is, for all the cliches that you get for you know a guy being from the New York area, 
He embodies it. He's a tough little nut, as Roy Williams uh, would say back in his prime. Um, he's as tough a shot maker this program has had since Marcus Page and is as willing to take the tough shots just as Marcus Page was. And that's that's not by accident. But this has been the one guy since he showed up has consistently played hard. There has not been a moment in his three now going on four years I've ever once questioned his effort and desire because he has to fight and he has to scrap and he has to scratch and claw for everything he earns on the court. And he's a really good basketball player. He's a, I mean, he's an all ACC level type of basketball player, but it doesn't come easy. And I, I, I think whatever the rift is with Caleb Love, I, I, I think it was just evident. You know, there were just times that RJ would just not give him the ball because he knew he was never going to get the ball. And so that's why you saw RJ shoot some of the shots he had to take. But I always felt like it was him doing what he thought was best for the team, not him trying to play hero ball and make himself look good. And so, I mean, I I saw that quote, and I think I want it on a T-shirt because I I love everything. I love everything about that. And I think the said coach should as well, because he now has uh, he now has another leader, kind of vocally that I think he'll be a lot more comfortable leading by example and holding his teammates accountable vocally, assuming that Love isn't here. Because I think because Love is the guy that took all the big shots last year, people just deferred to him, and that makes sense. I mean, the guy retired retired the biggest villain in the sport. The guy willed you to a win against UCLA. So it does make a lot of sense. But he's not the guy, or he just wasn't the guy this year to be the voice of reason in that locker room, assuming he's not back next year. Love or, or Davis and Baycott, I think that, that just fits their role and fits the, the this team, this team so much, so much better. And so, you know, with that. This is this is the first time since the season came to an end. I, I I've I feel a lot more positive about where we're going. Um, the portal stuff is is still concerning, just because you saw an entire position group leave town, and you you still you still got to go find guys to fill that void. But you you brought back two guys that you that you absolutely had to have to give you a chance. And it's never going to be made public that Hubert Davis is coaching for his job next year, whether it's true or not. That, that'll that never be known. We believe that he is. If he doesn't make the tournament, he will most likely be fired because the last coach to miss two tournaments consecutively, he wasn't back. And – now, now that that seems a lot more uh, 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 a lot more capable because you've got two pillars of the program coming back. We've got another guy that's coming off the bench. We'll talk about coming up in just a little bit. That's coming back. Recruiting as of this moment hasn't taken a dip after the season that you have. Where where are you feeling? How are you feeling about where this program is now? That they've got Baycott back, who is maybe more importantly off the court, but they got R.J. Davis back, who might be the most important piece to this team being 
much more competitive nationally next year. I mean, you gotta feel you gotta feel pretty good about where things are at at the moment. Um, I know that there are still going to be some people that will be concerned and will say, "Look, you know, this is this is a team. You know, we're, we're bringing back core pieces from one of the most disappointing teams in the history of the program." But you're also, I mean, again, it, this is the this is the weird legacy of this team, and and why when you look back at the the core guys that were on this twenty. 223 there are so many guys that are going to have just unbelievably complex legacies i mean you take out pete nance from the starters because he wasn't here the year before the other four guys you know we, we talked about it they were huge last year you know we were having the same conversations it was a completely different mindset i mean we were talking about ncaa championships where now we're talking about making the NCAA tournament. So it's amazing how quickly things can shift. But these are the two guys that I think throughout the year, we we talked about it. You know, you had just the the struggles from Caleb Love, um, you know, just never able to get back on track. And I think at this point, you know, when it comes to Caleb Love, this this is amongst all these guys with the complex legacies. This dude has probably the most complex career of any player that has ever put on a Tar Heel basketball uniform. It it is going to be so hard to figure out what, what the ultimate, you know, when you write about him, what you're ultimately going to remember most. It should be the shot against Duke. Really, it should just be overall the 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 run that he helped lead Carolina to. Um, you know, mainly in the final two weekends of the NCAA tournament, but especially you know that shot that he hit in the final four against Duke will will go down in infamy. It's the biggest shot in the history of the biggest rivalry in sports, and. You know, for for him, things just didn't work out. We were very critical of him throughout the season, and I think you know, justifiably so at times because uh, you know he just he he was a guy that kept taking the offense out of rhythm. Now, part of that is that there needs to be criticism on Huber Davis, but then you look at Leaky Black. You know, Leaky Black's a guy that has received a lot of criticism throughout his career. You know, turned out, uh, you know, last year was really where it all started for him where he became an elite-level defender after being a really good defender for his first couple of years on campus. But the thing with him was, you know, he was limited on the offensive end of the floor. These were the two guys that you never really had many questions about. You know, when it came to RJ, it's like we said, that injury was a huge, huge difference. Um, You look at the numbers and people, you know, will say, well, maybe he just went through, you know, a dip in the middle of the season anyways. I I don't think so. I think this was a dude that, as you said, he actually ended up finishing second on the team in scoring. He did stay ahead of Armando Baycott at the end uh, because Armando, you know, faded a little bit due to uh, the injury issues. But he he still, you would imagine this dude would have led the team in scoring. As I said, I think they pick up one or two other wins down the stretch of the season. You really wonder – 
you know, if, if yeah. Carolina is able um, to, to find a way with a fully healthy R.J. Davis, do they win that first game against Duke? I just like there's there's so many question marks that that you have to really ask yourself about what the direction of the season would have been if he doesn't get banged up and he stays in rhythm. Um, and, and, you know, to have Armando Baycott back and the steadying force in there. And the other thing is, is, again, I think you, you talked about the divide being in the backcourt between him and Caleb Love. You know, I think more so. You look at the quotes from both of these guys, and you see how they're talking about the school, how much they love the school, that they don't want this to be the, you know, to be the lasting legacy, and they want to turn around, you know, Carolina basketball. I think the biggest thing that you wonder about a lot of the guys that were in the locker room this year is how much of what they were doing this season was about them And how much of it was about the team? How much of it is about the name on the front of the jersey as opposed to the name on the back? And these are two guys, Only I I only speak for myself, and I'm assuming that you agree with me, um, but I don't know about other people that are listening. These are two guys that I have never thought to myself, yeah, they're worried about the name on the back. I know people, there, there are still people out there that say, I've seen this all the time. Well, Baycott's just worried about the NIL money. I don't know about y'all. I believe him when he says how committed he is to this university. And, I mean, if you need to do anything to prove that to you, first of all, the fact that he is staying through this, if he didn't really care, he would – if he really just wanted to make the NIL money and that was his only thought – Guys, he would just enter the transfer portal. He would literally just enter the transfer portal and go somewhere else and say, well, I, you know, if I'm worried about my my own name, I can go anywhere and make NIL money. So it's for, for me, there's no question that he cares about the university. And, you know, with RJ, I mean, he hasn't been a guy that's, that's said it before, uh, at least from what I've seen in, in, in heading into today. But that quote pretty much says what I think we all knew about him. That this is a guy that's been committed for to this university for a long time. I think this was probably the guy, even more so than Armando, that you know with the way that he played, you know, at the once they got into conference play and especially you know in that ACC tournament, I think a lot of people were crossing their fingers and just hoping and praying that he would come back for another season at Carolina and to get him back. I, I think it has to give you some some hope for this upcoming season. Now the thing is, is that you have to piece it together the right way around these guys. These two guys, they're going to help you navigate this difficult time. They're going to be the leaders on this team during this time. But for, as of right now, you, you have no choice but to go out and get wing players in the portal because your recruiting class is already wrapped up and you don't have any scholarship players on the wing outside of maybe Zayden High, but he looks like more of a traditional big man uh, than than a guy that can stretch the floor. So uh, there's a lot of work to do, but still, uh, with where this program has been here over the last couple of weeks, you have to feel pretty good sitting here on a Friday night. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. Um, my mind's maybe at more at ease, as you mentioned, than it probably was 
Probably since the season started, because um, it, it, I think I think Hubert Davis is going to be able to get the guys that he he wants and the guys that he needs in the transfer portal. And I just feel like I I I I don't I never wanted to believe that our culture was as fractured as it appeared at different times this year. Because I, I still believe that you have high character guys in the locker room, mainly in those guys in R.J. Davis and Armando, and Armando Baycott. So with those guys both being back for this upcoming season, um, you, you know it, it it does it does feel good. Carolina's got a lot of work to do, um, and it's not going to be easy to get this team where we want to get to next year, but. I do feel a lot more confident with those two guys back that we were able to do everything that we want to do next year and achieve all of our goals and dreams, um, you know, in the short term and in the long term. So with that, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, R.J. Davis wasn't the only guy to announce today he'll be back for next season. A reserve player did as well. We'll tell you who that is and talk about the impact he may have on this team uh, in, in, in 2023-2024. All that and more, that's coming up next on the Four Corners Podcast, back after this message from DraftKings. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays, parlays and odd boost all tournament long. So be sure to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have. Whether you're betting on the Sweet 16 action like UConn and Arkansas, or maybe maybe in that Elite 8 matchup where the Final Four will be decided. You can do all that and so much more at DraftKings Sportsbook. Simply draft, uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code TBPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with that promo code TBPN. Minimum age and and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys have been taking full advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Get to DraftKings. Use that promo code to make smart, safe, and fun bets during the NCAA tournament uh, for the next week and a half or so. Not only did did R.J. Davis make it known he'll be back in Carolina Blue next year, so did Jalen Washington. He quote tweeted R.J. Davis's tweet where R.J. Davis just simply tweeted out hashtag senior season. Uh, Jalen Washington quote tweeted that tweet with the locked in sign and said, "Let's get it for." And look, there was some rumblings that maybe maybe J. Dub was going was going to transfer out of the program. I never bought into it, though, because this was a guy that had a pretty big role 
for all things considered, where he was when the season started. I mean, this was a guy that, you know, Carolina had to build towards being able to go through full practices and stuff like that. And, um, you know, he played a really big, a big, big role in the game at Virginia and he shined. He did a lot of great things. And in a lot of ways, this is going to sound kind of crazy. It was the worst thing he ever did was because he scored double-digit points and grabbed a handful of rebounds, everyone just kind of thought, well, he should play and play pretty frequently. I I agree that he maybe should have had a bigger role, but if you go and watch the second half, one of the biggest reasons why Carolina got beat was that he couldn't he couldn't hold his own defensively, which made sense. He He's not only a freshman in the ACC – but this is a guy who didn't play his last senior year of high school and was, you know, didn't have a full summer, so he was way behind. Mm-hmm. So I never thought that he was ever going to go anywhere. But I do think his return is very big for this team, especially at the moment, because depending on what they add and who they add and how they add, this guy could start next year. Um, you know, with, with you losing all of your wing players and stuff like that to the transfer portal. But if if he doesn't, we don't know, you know, when Will Shaver will be ready to go next season. It at least uh it at least also adds depth to Carolina's roster, which they also need right now. So look, this guy isn't Armando Baycott, he obviously isn't RJ Davis, but his return's pretty big. Because you got a guy that I think we all we all love his upside and what he can bring, especially on the offensive end. Um, and so you've got so you've got some of that to bank off of. He's going to have a full summer to get ready for be for what will be his first real full season of college basketball. But he also adds some depth, and and right now Carolina just needs as much front court depth as they can get after losing four wing players to the transfer portal. Well, that's what it is. I mean, you you said – I mean, at this point, I, I got to tell you, I would be stunned if he does not start. I know that they well, can – Well, I mean, go, if they go and get a, a veteran stretch four or whatever, that guy's going to start. I, I mean, I got to be honest. That wouldn't be my – that wouldn't be the first thing I would look for at this point. If I am Carolina, I am looking for – a wing player more than anything, a traditional wing guy that's going to play the three. Um, We've been looking for it for years, really since Cam Johnson left. There hasn't been anybody that's really filled that role um, to to the level that you need them to on the offensive end of the floor. Um, So for him, I mean, look, I, I think there is a legitimate scenario that they will play two, two bigs, It'll be more traditional, but here's the thing to remember about him. Remember last year, it was probably around August, and I believe I I tried to find this when I was writing the article earlier, and I couldn't find where it was said at. I know John Rothstein quoted this, this quote from Hubert Davis like five different times. Whenever Rothstein would give an update on Jalen Washington, I, I mean, this dude literally just copy and pasted the same stuff every time, just with a, a tweak to the timeline. Um 
it, there was a quote last year on some podcast in the offseason where he said that Jalen Washington is the best shooting big that he has ever seen come from the high school ranks. Um, and I, I that that he and again, it's just that he has seen that probably means in his time on the recruiting trail. Um, but that that speaks volumes. It's it's a guy, you know, Jalen Washington is a guy that as we saw at times this year, has the ability to stretch the floor. Look, he only took seven threes. He didn't make any of them, but he looked natural. That's not something that Carolina is going to have to force from him. Now, that's not the strength of his game. He's still a guy that I think it, it needs to play inside out, and that's why I think you, th- this would be – you know, probably a more modern version of what Carolina had in the front court back in 2017. Isaiah Hicks wasn't really a guy that could step out and knock down threes. He, he did develop some range. There's no doubt about that as his career went along. But I think that's what Carolina should potentially be looking to do here. Hubert Davis was part of that staff. I think Jalen Washington, he has the talent. Look, there are a lot of people that believe, and and look, I ripped Corey Alexander for saying that scouts were there for Jalen Washington in you know their game. I forget Florida, the Florida State game, um, that they were there to watch him. I, I doubt there were a lot of people that were probably there to watch him on that night because he is not going to the NBA or war. You know, we we now know that for sure, but he wasn't going to the NBA after this year, but. Uh, there are a lot of people from reading some some of the articles that were written about him, you know, midseason and even last summer, even coming off the knee injury. He is seen as the Tar Heels probably the best pro prospect. Um, you know, just the skill set that he brings. Uh, there are a lot of people that think he will fit very, very well at the next level. And I think for him, you know, getting that offseason. You know that that was the thing that I said. I I I see what you're saying that he definitely showed. You know, in that Virginia game, that he could have pushed for at least a little bit more of a consistent role. But the thing about it is, is when we saw him on the court at times, he just got pushed around, especially on the defensive end of the floor. There were games, certain matchups like NC State, you could not play him inside against DJ Burns. Uh, I mean, he was just that they did it a couple of times and he just got manhandled. I mean, you saw Armando Baycott at times have trouble defending DJ Burns or at least just stopping DJ Burns from scoring. Armando would be in good position, but you're you're talking about a guy that just did not have the weight on his frame. And it makes sense. He didn't have the weight because he he didn't he wasn't able to go through a full offseason because he was coming off of such a significant injury. So now with him being you know, what we expect to be 100% fully healthy, fingers crossed. Um, he, you know, will have a chance to go through the offseason workout program, put a little bit more weight on his frame. He'll have a chance to develop himself on both ends of the floor, which I think will be huge. I really do think this guy can build himself into a starter next season for Carolina. And if he does that, I, I think having – Armando and RJ as the veteran guys, having him as, you know, that young uh, talent that, you know, could really 
take his game uh, to uh, another level and become that third consistent scorer on the team. Uh, and then if you can just find other guys, you know, around them, um, you know, whether it's, you know, guys that are currently on the roster, you know, at the, at the two guard, like uh, DeMarco Dunn, if you can, you know, maybe play uh, Seth, if Seth Trimble can even prove that he, he can handle being your primary point guard and maybe you allow R.J. Davis to move off the ball. Um, or, you know, I, I mean, there's so many different scenarios that you could go through. And if you can find, to me, that wing guy in the portal, I think this is a team that you, when you look at it now, you can see the pieces of a tournament team coming together here. You can see the pieces of a team that will compete, you know, into the final weekend uh, to to win, you know, the ACC regular season tournament or at least be in the hunt for a double bye. It's starting to seem like a team that will be formidable next year. Here's the thing. If, if Jalen Washington starts – this roster didn't get revamped the way that it needed to be. Him starting next year isn't a good thing. It's a bad thing. Um, Because it signals that Carolina would enter again with no depth. Because they're not going to recruit another big man with Baycott back, Washington in the fold, and Will Shaver expected to come back from the foot injury. So if he starts – Carolina, they they didn't get the wing or wings, and they need wings, kind of like I need wings when I go to Zaxby's. They didn't get the wings that they need to be the type of team that they want to be. Now, I'm of the belief that even if they had two, three wing players, they're going to play three guards with a wing and a big man next year because that's the way Hubert Davis wants to play. I don't know – what that looks like, because I, I do think that if Caleb Love transfers with some of the guards that are in the transfer portal, they will seek guards in the transfer portal as well. Um, I would not rule out Seth Tremble starting next year. I would not. I would not rule out Demarco Dunn starting next year. You know, you've got a five star in Simeon Wiltshire that's coming to Chapel Hill. You just never know what that's going to look like. I know you got I know you got Zayden High on the roster uh as a freshman coming in uh next year as well with him. But freshman bigs are kind of like what freshman point guards are, especially in this new system that we're running. I don't know that they're going to be overly productive in in year one. And so that's why I think for Washington, you know, in a perfect world, you get him a much more larger, revamped, a defined role where he knows every night he's going to play, you know, 16 to 18 minutes or whatever and get you, you know, six, seven, eight points, three, four, five rebounds, and then start building his way towards being a starter once. Once Armando Baycott leaves, I think that's I think that's the best trajectory for him and for the program. I don't. It's not that I don't like him. I like him a lot, and I think he has a whole lot to offer. I think he will be to the this team and and the the, the teams to come what John Henson was back in the early 2010s, a guy that could stretch the floor, catch lobs, protect the rim, despite having a slight frame. But if we go to we enter the season on opening night or around around college basketball, 
and and he's and he's starting. I don't think that we accomplished what we what we set out to accomplish this off season. And you know, like here's the thing: if I I think that if you were looking at a chance for him to start next year, and you were maybe looking at him and maybe some other guys to to be starters, wouldn't you have played him the NIT then? Because that's that's what we said was if you went and played in the NIT, dude, still go through the transfer portal stuff. I still think all the guys that left would have still left because they would have been like, I didn't play during the regular season. Why would I play in a meaningless non-conference tournament? But you could have used that at that tournament and that and then that event, assuming that you navigated and won a few games to get a guy like Jalen Washington. More minutes and more experience. You didn't do that. So that's why I think just from that standpoint alone, you know, Hubert Davis right now isn't thinking of a scenario where, you know, he would be a starter for this team next year. Oh, I don't uh, agree with that at all. I got I, the reason that they didn't play in this was explained in that quote that you saw from RJ Davis. I, I gotta be honest, I wouldn't be shocked. If RJ or Armando or both voted that they did not want to play in the NIT tournament because they felt we need we need there to be some change. We need certain guys just out of this locker room. That's the reason that I I think they chose not to play in the NIT. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact of what they think of some of the younger guys on the roster. I think that they they wanted to get a head start on trying to establish a different mindset in the locker room. That's that's what I think the that decision ultimately came down to for not only the coaching staff, but a lot of guys on the team. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be that concerned if, if Jalen Washington is starting. I'm not saying, look, you have to get multiple guys in the transfer portal on the wings. So that means stretch four and guys that can play the three. Because, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Maybe they do want to play three guards. And we saw, you know, at times this year it worked. But, I mean, look, Simeon Wilcher, you, you're – I mean, it's it's hard to imagine at this point with what we've seen in these backcourts here really for the last four or five years – that you're going to see Simeon Wilcher come in, immediately start, and make a massive impact. Maybe he does. I mean, he has done some really, really good things so far in his senior year of high school. We'll be interested to see what he does on the AAU circuit. Maybe he is a guy that just comes in there and automatically makes a massive impact, potentially even starts. But for me, you know, I think that they – Hubert is, is – probably going to have to look at this as, hey, we we have to have an open mind as to what our lineup looks like heading into the first game of the year. You're going to have to go through practice and really figure out what works best. And I think that was part of the issue that he had at times this past year. That's that's an area where Toriel fans are probably concerned, and maybe rightfully so. There were lineups this year that I think we could all look at and say were more effective than the main starting five. And at times, you know, we felt like they should have gone to those and they would get away from them. 
Um, you know, I thought one of the games that they did the best job with that, and and it's the mindset they need to take moving forward, was the game against Florida State, where Armando was not playing great. Pete was playing very well at the five during that game. And they just got to a point where they said, look, Armando's not effective right now. We're just going to roll with Pete at the five. We're going to play a little bit smaller. And it worked out. I think with you know with this team coming up, you're going to have to do similar things. And maybe there are times where playing bigger works out better for you, where you have you know the a guy like Armando Baycott out there, but you also have a little bit of you know athleticism in your big with with Jalen Washington out there, and you have two bigs on the floor. But um, ultimately, yeah, it, it's we're going to have to see what they do in the transfer portal. The thing is, right now, you know, my mindset is is that at the least, Jalen Washington needs to be prepared to push for a starting role. That that is what his his mindset should be coming in to next season is that I am going to do everything that I possibly can to be a starter on this team because you know look there with the guys that they could land in the transfer portal it's still early. I haven't seen a ton of wing guys uh that I've said man that's that could be a huge impact guy for Carolina. It's it, it, again still have this weekend of tournament games. Really, I think you're going to have to see the NCAA tournament come to an end before you're going to see, you know, massive, uh, massive moves from a lot of these guys. But I, I just, the, the, right now, I, it's, it seems like it might be a little bit of a thin market on the wing. So you have to be prepared to step up if you're Jalen Washington and play a major role. And the other thing is we've seen it with the transfers, even going back to Brady Manick. It takes time for guys to adjust to a new spot, especially playing for a program like North Carolina. At this point, we've seen how many people on social media that have said, I don't want any of the mid-major transfers I mean, look, if you're going to take that mindset, then you're probably not going to have much of a roster here because there are going to be a lot of guys and a lot of talented guys that are going to enter the transfer portal from these mid-major schools. So I think for Carolina, you, you just, you know, guys that are on the roster, I do think that you have to give some of these guys a chance. And so... Uh, Jalen Washington is one of those guys. I think if you look at you know that that group that came out last year, I mean he might be the most purely talented guy of that group. The only reason that he wasn't ranked ahead of Seth Trimble was because of the knee injury that dropped him from being a five star prospect at one point all the way down to being a four star prospect that was outside of the top fifty. So. I just – it's going to be really interesting to see how they piece this thing together. Yeah, I, I just I, – I don't I don't think it's a good thing if he's a starter next year. Um, and, look, I could be proven wrong, um, but more often than not, I'm right. And, and I, I just – I don't think – I don't think it benefits – I don't think it benefits Armando Baycott to play – with him because you know Pete, Pete Nance had, had they utilized Pete Nance in the right way like they did at Notre Dame I think I think Pete Nance has a different season and maybe we have a different season as a whole 
Um, you know, as as much as I love RJ Davis, he struggles getting Armando Baycott the ball where he wants to where he needs to get the ball to to get uh to to, to get easy looks around the rim. And so, you know, I, I haven't seen Jalen Washington make an entry pass. Um, because probably quite frankly, he probably can't do it. Probably never made one in his life, given his size and stuff like that. And so, I'd much rather have another ball handler on the floor and another, you know, six eight, six nine wing out there playing alongside R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott. And you're bringing Jalen Washington, who may be your first guy off the bench, at at worst your second guy. You know, I'm not saying I don't want him to play. No, I think he should have a very big role and play a lot of minutes next year. But if, if I go into the season and I'm looking at a starting lineup with, with Jalen Washington in it, my outlook for the team in the season probably isn't going to be where I want it to be, which is competing to get back into the to the NCAA tournament and stuff like that. One last thing uh, before we do get out of here, just some recruiting news. Um, you know, we knew this was going to happen. Upon Rick Bettino getting hired at St. John's, which, you know, on the surface, we both love the hire. And it is a really good hire for just the sport of college basketball. Given the tournament that we've seen so far this year, if he was to return St. John's to, you know, national prominence, that would only help the sport of college basketball, which has, you know, had a historic tournament last year and is having another historic, uh, another historic, uh, historic tournament this year. But with his hiring, we knew that he was going to be very aggressive in trying to poach Ian Jackson. And it didn't make matters uh, better when Ian Jackson took down basically everything Carolina-related in his Instagram. Um, all those posts are back up, uh, which I didn't know you could take down posts and then reload them. I got to I gotta be shown the ways of the gram. Um, but he's also kind of since come out and publicly denied him. And, of course, what else is he going to say? I don't think, you know, he's going to publicly admit that this was a, something he was thinking about or whatever. But it is something that you got to monitor because Rick Pitino, you know, with all the things he's done in college basketball, um, obviously a lot more father, you know, a lot more accomplished than Hubert Davis um, because Hubert's only been in, in the in the game for two years as a head coach. You know, he's, you know, Patino's coached in Final Fours, won national championships. He became the second coach ever to take four programs to the NCAA tournament. He'll try to become the first coach to ever take five. There's going to be a big reason or, or a big push for him from Patino to get Ian Jackson to stay home and be his first big fish as he tries to rebuild that once proud program in the Big East. But as for right now, Ian Jackson is committed to Carolina, and that's all that matters. And lastly, James Brown, a guy that is committed in that 2024 class, he is leaving his Chicago high school. He's actually going to team up with Elliot Cadu at Link Academy, uh, who's also a, a 2024 commit for Carolina. I don't know if we should read too much into um, maybe Cadu doing some stuff and reclassifying with this. I, I, I still – I think if that happens, it would be maybe because – Again, kind of like with Jalen Washington starting, 
Maybe Carolina didn't fill out their roster the way that they wanted to. I just think that's cool, and it's certainly not going to hurt to have two guys that are a part of that 2024 class getting a little head start on their on their chemistry on and off the court while playing together at Link Academy. So um, with that, guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com. A busy day, a busy week on the site. As Anthony uh, had you covered with all the news today with R.J. Davis coming back, um, Jalen Washington, uh, Jalen Washington making his the announcement he's coming back. An update on the Ian Jackson stuff, and then even some football stuff on the side as well as spring practice does get back underway tomorrow. I'll have you cover this weekend with some other, you know, transfer portal transfer portal articles will be on the site. That's yieldtuffblog.com. We're keeping you covered on all things Carolina basketball and anything that does trickle out of spring practice for Tar Heel football. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast where we will pop up. There, we do encourage you guys to rate and review the pod. But more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the, re- throughout the entirety of the basketball offseason. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, you know, Tar Heels.